Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Yes, it is Monday morning, so that means one thing, it is a sports day. Today I'll be giving you guys an MLB update. Of course, the playoff races are heating up, so are the divisional races. So we'll be going over the news over the course of the week and the weekend. Uh, we got the standings as well as the scores from yesterday and last night as well. On top of that, I got an NFL preview. This is my part one 2019 season. We'll be going over the AFC West today. I'll be trying to go over uh, for every segment or yeah, every show, every episode. I'll be trying to go at least a, every sports episode. I'll be trying to go over every division. Uh, so for four segments of this in total today i'll be doing the afc west going over uh, breaking down each team in the afc west each team in each division that's the plan here uh getting you guys set up for the nfl season as well and do not forget uh i got some more stuff i'll be playing i'll be giving you guys the future projects uh at the end of the episode but don't forget i do got some college football to, got to talk about with you guys that'll be one of the main uh things i have for you guys probably within the next couple of days a uh, couple of days we have a couple more uh conferences to go over there in college football and you guys should be shored up there so let's get right into it of course i'll be starting off with the nfl like i said this is my part one of the 2019 uh season preview i'll be starting off like i said with the afc west so let's break it down with the denver broncos last year the denver broncos was finished six and ten overall and just two and four versus their division uh they got some new additions this year uh they brought in right tackle juan uh juan james uh to shore up that offensive line that has uh struggled in the past couple of seasons uh, I think in both pass protection and running the ball as well they also brought in veteran quarterback Joe Flacco uh, he has uh, you know he has his negative traits about him of course uh, he got his he got replaced in Baltimore uh, by that rookie out there uh, Jackson and uh, you know maybe Joe has has enough in there uh, you know enough in the tank for one last push we don't know but he definitely has some uh, some veteran seasoning about him and I definitely think that that's good for the Broncos uh for that quarterback position they also brought in uh sorry defensive back Kareem Jackson as far as their key losses go they lost Shaquille Barrett a great outside linebacker who added depth to that position uh but they did they, they weren't that great necessarily uh, at the linebacker position last year, but he was definitely a good, a good source of depth there. At the defensive back position, they also lost Tremaine Brock. And uh, on the offensive line, they, they lost Jared Veld here. I believe he started all 16 games for them last year. Uh, but with that being said, they are bringing back 15 starters, 7 on the offensive side, 18 on the defensive side, including Phillip Lindsay, uh, their leading rusher last year. He had 1,027 yards for a uh, I believe not yet. It's nine touchdowns. They're also bringing back Von Miller, who had 14 and a half sacks. He led the team. I think he was, I don't know if he was tops in the NFL, but he definitely led the team in that department there. And let's break this team down by the numbers. We're going to break down a few key stats for them. Uh, they ranked uh, 19th uh, in the NFL last year in overall offense. They averaged 350 yards per game, just about. They also ranked 12th in the rush. Uh, they averaged 119 yards a game. So this was an offense who could move. Uh, they could score. The, their only problem is they could move they, well they could move down the field they could run the ball uh their biggest issue was they could not score often uh they they ranked 22nd in overall defense and that was another issue for them as well they averaged about three they gave up about six uh sorry 365 yards a game and they were tied for eighth though in sacks with eight uh sorry 44 sacks uh 
in total as a team. So again, oh, it's actually they tied for yes, they tied for eighth in sacks. Excuse me. So again, this was a in terms of defense, uh, there was uh, offense and defense. Uh, there were things that they did well, uh, but overall they weren't a great. They weren't great in their units, and so therefore I think that's why you have a six and ten record. They also went thirteenth against the pass with 120 yards a game. So that's pretty much middle of the road. Not bad, but again, uh, overall defensively, I don't think they ranked very high. And as we can tell on offense. They ranked about middle of the road in offense as well. And then uh, 22nd in overall defense. So, again, we're looking at a team here who wasn't terrible but didn't necessarily do a whole lot of things well either. And so, again, that's that's what leads to a 2-4 or four record in your division. And uh, especially in a division that you probably could have won. And if I'm not mistaken, they were probably the favorite uh, to win that division going into last year. Uh, but breaking down some strength of this team, I'm going to break down two units here. I'm going to give them the secondary and the linebackers. Uh, the Broncos are dealing with the tandem of Nick Chubb and also uh, who had uh, 60 total tackles last year. And also uh, they, they'll be Nick, I'm sorry, Von Miller and Nick Chubb. Very dominant tandem that uh, and the linebacker position, the pass rushing spot. Uh, but the Broncos did lose Shane Ray last year and also Shaquille Barrett, like I said before. Uh, they will be replaced by Dakota Watson and also Jeff Holland. Uh, so that they do, uh, they were able to replace these guys with some solid, uh, I wouldn't say starting guys, but definitely people who have uh, game playing experience. Uh, the new head coach, Nick Fangino, will switch to a uh, defense that more emphasizes on the zone. Uh, so this will more emphasize, this will more, this will put more reps on the linebackers. So the linebackers are going to be used a lot more and they're going to be a focal point. So all these guys, uh, Dakota Watson and even Jeff Holland, who are the backups, they're going to get a lot of playing time too and a good amount of snaps as well. So they're all going to be a part of it. I think that's going to lead to the, some success in that department there. So I think that's a plus for them. Uh, in terms of the secondary, um, the secondary will be used, uh, will be led by Chris Haynes, excuse me, uh, who led the team last year in interceptions with three. Denver also brought in quarterbacks Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson, uh, who will also play safety. So they do have some uh, versatility there in terms of uh, the secondary. They didn't do that. I mean, they didn't do that bad against the pass last year. Uh, but I think one of the biggest issues was that run defense and those linebackers. Uh, they performed poorly. Uh, well, in the secondary, they performed poorly against the run. But I think with some uh, added safeties there they got some added tacklers there in that uh, safety spot as well so I think they should be all right one weakness of this team though is the offensive line they did end up adding offensive line coach uh, Mike Munchak over the offseason who is one of the best uh, in current years uh, but they need some production from both the tackle spots again like I said they brought in a new right tackle uh, that would be Jawan uh, Jawan James who's pretty solid of course uh, there are some negatives about him as well uh, but they bring in, um, I'm sorry, um, with that being said, uh, last year the Broncos tied for 10th with 34 sacks given up, which is not good. Like I said, off uh, in terms of passing, uh, pass protection, and running the ball, uh, Denver needed a lot of help. Uh, actually, Denver did pretty good against the run. Uh, I think uh, the biggest thing there uh, was the passing offense, uh, was the pass protection. Again, like I said, they gave up. They will. They they were tied for uh, what was it tenth? Yeah, tenth with 34 sacks given up. That's not going to work, especially with an older quarterback coming in. He's not looking to get hit. I don't think Joe Flacco has that type of uh, those. He's not sturdy enough to take a whole lot of hits, in my opinion, either. So again, it will be it will behoove the Denver Broncos to really improve there as well. Um, now. Um, 
Kind of McQueen, uh, one of their offensive guards, or actually their center, is expected to improve. He's He's been there for a second year, so he has some tenure there. One of the few uh, members of that offensive line that does have some tenure that, you know, goes over a year. Uh, so, again, he's looking to step up. I believe he will be a starter, uh, but that is their biggest weakness going into the season. And three points and, maybe, and possibly three questions that I have about this team. Uh, they are bringing in a new head coach, Nick Fangino, and not only a new head coach but 10 of the members of the coaching staff uh they're also so that's that's a lot of change that's a lot of turnaround uh a lot of these guys do have a lot of nfl experience but there's a couple guys that don't have any nfl experience at all uh, actually i would say at least a, maybe three of those guys were maybe uh with a year or less in terms of uh nfl experience so again that's going to be different for the broncos uh but i do like nick mangino in terms of his defensive calling uh, so that would be a good spot that's a good ad for them uh but there's a lot of guys you don't really know a whole lot about uh but uh in terms of what else we have going on with the broncos of course they have the new quarterback joe uh joe flacco and of course they brought in many tight ends so maybe there's a possibility uh that they they, they, that they go uh, with a system that they know that they will, at least that they've seen Joe Flacco has success in. There's been uh, plenty of time in Joe Flacco's history uh, where he's relied on uh, tight ends. That's pretty much how he gets down. Uh, now, while he was there, while he was in Baltimore, uh, throughout his nine, I think it was there for nine or 10 years, uh, tight ends would average about 75 catches a year so again they brought in tight end Noah Fant I think they have a couple more on the roster as we speak so again um, maybe they go back to what they know uh, Joe Flacco goes back to what he knows uh, they do have a solid running game they do have a backup there in Royce Freeman out of the University of Oregon so again uh, it might be uh, some Baltimore 2012 2.0 so we don't know what we might see from this team next year but i definitely think with the addition of noah fan uh and just who joe flacco is i think they do utilize those tight ends because again that's what makes him that's what makes joe flacco at least successful and i don't think they want to rush in into a drew lock right now i don't think he's nfl ready just yet i think he has a good arm uh but i do not think in terms of his accuracy or his uh play calling uh that he's there just yet uh they also bring in some young receivers uh Cortland Sutton they also got Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick uh, they will need to help out Emmanuel Sanders who's of course on uh, I believe in his 30s at this point uh early 30s of course but again he's coming back from a Achilles injury of course we know how those injuries can end up so of course they're going to need a lot of support in terms of receiving core as well uh but so far for this team I I'm looking at a, at a squad that improves to an extent um I do see somebody who finishes is about third in the division uh, because I, I already kind of see uh, the first two spots. Actually, I I it's kind of hard to see right now. Uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna break these teams down a little bit more. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit little bit about my predictions predictions when I get through these squads real quick. But uh, let's get right into it with the Kansas City Chiefs. And last year the Chiefs would finish 13 and five overall. Of course, they would make it to the AFC Championship game and end up losing to the Patriots. They would go five and one in the division as well. Uh, some key additions that they made over the offseason was defensive end Frank Clark uh, from the Seahawks. Last year he had, well, so far in his career, he's had 32 sacks and also 60, 66 quarterback hits uh, playing in Seattle. So that's, he's a really solid 
solid uh, pass rusher. That's one of the things that they needed because, of course, we already know this team was terrible defensively last year. We will get to that in just a minute. Uh, they also added safety Tyron Matthew. At this point in his career, he's looking to be a leader. Uh, I've never heard a player, and I will give him all the respect in the world for this going into this season. And I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I'm definitely a Tyron Matthew fan after this because I've never in my life at this point uh, heard, heard a player really go out and say, I'm looking to be uh, a real vocal leader on the team. I've always heard a player say, yes, I'm looking to be the best uh, at my position. I'm looking to get uh, whatever, you know, income or incentives are due to me, uh, getting the best money uh, out there. I'm look I've always heard receivers say or, you know, any type of player in football say, I'm looking to get these amount of stats. I'm looking at, you know, uh, in terms of my stats, to be the best player. I never heard a player say, I'm looking to be the leader of this team. And I'm looking because I've seen this team. Uh, I've, I've reserved this team. And that's pretty much what he's saying. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he went on to, he, you know, he's pretty much saying, I've observed this team. And I noticed one thing that they do not have is a real uh, solid leader on the defensive side. And I'm looking to be that guy in order to, in order for this team to be successful. And I know this team can be successful. And that's the thing that they're missing. And for a player to say that, and uh, at this stage in his career, uh, he's you know, been through so much. He's been on some successful teams. Uh, he can have a Super Bowl. If he, I mean, he, he's Super Bowl caliber uh, safety, in my opinion, and he's worth whatever millions he's deserved. And I'm pretty sure he signed a, a lucrative deal here. And that really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, his goal was to be the leader of that defense. And I, I, I commend the dude for that because, again, you do not hear people saying those things. I think, you know, again, uh, you hear a lot of people saying, I want to be the best player. I want to have the stats. I want to have all these different, uh, all the money in the world. But again, he wants to be the leader and why that defense, that, that defense is successful. So I got to give him some props there. Uh, the Chiefs will go on to add running back Carlos Hyde as well. As far as some key losses during the offseason, uh, the Chiefs will end up losing safety Eric Berry, a long-time, def uh, long-time secondary stalwart. Again, he had some problems with his health as well. Uh, he he dealt with us uh, some really serious health concerns that had him out of the league for a couple years. Uh, then he dealt with some injury issues as well. I always thought he was kind of productive, although he he dropped down a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, I definitely think he would have been all right in that rotation but uh the chiefs wanted to move on they also lost running back kareem hunt eventually he will find work with the cleveland browns but of course we all know about him and him you know beating up on some white girl last year he would have 824 rushing yards as well as seven touchdowns so they lost a lot of production there on the offensive side and i think uh with whatever's going to happen with tyreek hill i think that's going to uh, negatively affect them offensively i know people are looking to just give them uh the conference to, uh, the divisional title uh, outright uh, but I can't necessarily do that for those reasons right there uh, they did add some great uh, pieces though in terms of the pass rush but I'll, I'll give you that as well uh, but they are returning 15 total starters nine on the offense six on the defense they're also bringing back their kicker and their punter uh, some of the top returners are going to be tr uh, tight end Travis Kelsey last year he had 103 catches for a thousand and three hundred uh, 1,336 yards, which I think are both records for a tight end. He also had 10 receiving touchdowns as well. To also bring it back on the defensive side, linebacker Alex Hitchens, who had 13, oh, sorry, 135 total tackles. He did uh, suffer through some injuries during the, during the course of the season, but those 135 tackles were good enough for fifth in the league. So they definitely have some bright spots on that defense, and they had some bright spots last year, uh, despite, you know, where they ranked in terms of the stats. 
uh, by the numbers, which leads me to the by the numbers segment here. Uh, they led the NFL in offensive course with 425 yards pretty much per game, and they were second and third down conversions, which I think is a really good stat at 47%. That was almost 50%. So uh, even when they would get to third down, there was no op- there was no guarantee that you could necessarily get them off the field. I thought that was great. Uh, for, but for how great that offense was, uh, they did rank 31st in overall defense with 406 yards given up per game. That is terrible. Uh, I think that's what, you know, lost in the conference championship game. Uh, that's what, you know, led to them being 13-5 and five overall. Um, they could have even been probably undefeated uh, in, in that division at least and maybe even gone 14-2 and two had that defense overall been great. However, with that being said, they were first in sacks with 52. So there's definitely bright spots. There's definitely ways this uh, defense could have improved. Uh, but uh, with what they already had going with Going into next year, solidifying, well, going coming into this year, solidifying that secondary with a, a pass rush that already uh, was first in sacks. You already adding, um, uh, you know, Frank Clark from the Seahawks. Uh, you know, they might, I mean, I can see why people might want to say that they're a favorite. Uh, I'm a little bit on the offensive side. I'm a little bit, you know, holding back on them because, of course, they lost their top receiver and their top running back. But, again, uh, they really added to that defense. and They really uh, improved that secondary as well. So, I can understand them getting uh, some 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 props. Uh, in terms of their strengths, of course, I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Last year, he completed 60% of his passes for 5,097 yards yards and also 50 touchdowns and 12 interceptions i think that guy is amazing i think given i mean he still has a good offensive mind behind him he didn't lose anybody there uh the question is can they win the ball just to kind of just to kind of offset things or more so to keep things balanced and don't keep the defenses you know keying into on keying into sacking him or just shutting down the corner or shutting down the receivers who they are losing uh so again they did did lose they're gonna lose tyreek hill for a few games they need Sammy Watkins to step up. Uh, so again, there's no guarantee what they have in terms of passing the ball. Uh, but again, if they're able to run the ball uh, like they were last year, uh, that will be a good good key to, like I said, keeping that offense balanced. I think he's going to have a great year. Again, you just don't want to get too one-dimensional. I think that's the biggest thing. I think any championship team, whatever sport you see, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, uh, you're going to you're gonna see the great ones. Even in boxing, the, 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 the single-player sports, you're gonna see uh, people, the real greats, and the people that are becoming the hall, the, that become the hall of famers, and the unanimous, you know, real great ones. Uh, they always seem to, uh, yes, they have, they do certain things really great, but they have over, the overall, they're still good. Uh, in terms of teams, there might be teams with great quarterbacks, but don't sleep on those teams because they still can run the ball on you. They still can. Uh, Defend, and so again, uh, I think in order for this team here to really solidify who they are, I think they're gonna have to really improve on that defense. If that that defense comes full circle, great, uh, because that leads me into my weakness for these guys. Uh, they are switching to a four d- three defense again. Uh, that will emphasize uh, more of the linebackers. Oh, actually, so more of the linemen. Uh, but again, uh, you have four down linemen, three linebackers. But again, the linebackers will be much uh, much more uh, required. Well, they they'll be required to do a lot more. Uh, again, Alex Hitchens, like I said, was fifth in the league in tackles and can play any linebacker. 
linebacker position. Uh, they will be, they will be bringing in some extra linebackers uh, like Reggie Ragland. He'll be playing in the middle. Uh, so again, they have they brought in some new guys there. I think that was their biggest weakness. They gave up a lot of uh, rushing yards there. Uh, they were not great necessarily against uh, the run. Uh, they did give they did force a lot of sacks, but they were uh, they were pretty terrible uh, in terms of stopping the run so having some linebackers there bringing in some more linebackers there helped uh, helps them out there and then uh, of course Alex Hitchens staying healthy uh, being the leading tackler on the team definitely helps as well but three points three points and or questions for this squad here is they're bringing in a new defensive coordinator Steve Spangulo of course like I said there's gonna be changes along that defensive front there uh, so look for that defense to change in a lot of different ways positive ways uh up next we got chris jones will be the team's go-to pass rusher in my opinion even with frank clark last year he led the team with 15 and a half sacks uh he all they also got uh Justin Houston and defense, uh, defensive end D Ford leaving as well. So again, it's going to be the Chris Jones and you got the Frank Clark show. And I don't think too many people are going to be ready for that one either. Uh, again, that pass rush is going to be crazy. If that secondary and those linebackers can do some do some damage, look for a team uh, I could I could see in the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, the more I think about it, <laughs> the more I think about it, I, I gotta say, yeah, the, the Chiefs are kind of good um offense 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 is gonna be my last point here this is the first team to score more than 25 points a game in an entire season i think they could do that and more why not up to empty and go 30 points a game it's it's conceivable it's it's downright conceivable i think this is one of the best offenses we're gonna see in a very long time and i think but what i will say though is it's put up or shut up time for andy reed's career I think if he doesn't get it done now, I think he should just walk away from the sport and just kind of just say, look, let me become a, a coordinator for the last couple of years of my, you know, coaching life or whatever. But uh, I think this is it for him. Uh, if he can't get it done now, I think the Chiefs need to, to, to really think about uh, their coaching staff and uh, well, their, their head coach and uh, think about the direction uh, that they want to go to and really see that he fits that because again they've been so close for so many years and Andy Reid has gotten you know so many Eagles if you go back to in his career when he was coaching with the Eagles he gotten so many Eagles teams uh, to those those uh, those high moments only to kind of just fall apart in terms of his coaching so again and it showed up kind of in the ASC championship they weren't able to do a whole lot of anything and they had some, a few games like that uh during the course of the season where he did not look that great uh, but again this is a make or break year I think for Andy Reid uh, but I think if uh, Kansas City meets expectations and they definitely in my opinion they can make a Super Bowl uh, but let's move on we got the uh, the LA Chargers here they went 13 and 5 last year uh, overall and 4 and 2 versus the AFC West uh, there's some key additions that they made uh, over the course of the offseason were linebacker Thomas Davis who has 79 total tackles he also has some Super Bowl experience with the, uh, the Carolina Panthers as well uh, some key losses though were defensive tackle Darius Phylon he thought he started 13 of 16 games last season for the Chargers and he got four sacks I think in uh, two seasons overall back-to-back -back, he was able to get four sacks uh, but I was I actually talked about him recently uh, Darius Phylon found his way to the Cardinals uh, over the offseason and got into some major trouble and he's going to be suspended for a while uh, he has he has an aggravated assault charge on him so he won't be playing for a while uh, they also lost defensive tackle Corey Lugit and also to, uh, tight end Antonio Gates uh, Antonio Gates decided to retire officially 
and that's it. that's it for him. I think. <laughs> I think last year he came back. He was supposed to retire, something like that. But we'll see. I think he's done for now. Uh, but the Chargers are bringing back 18 starters, uh, 10 on the offensive side, eight on the defensive uh, side of the ball. They're also bringing back their kicker as well. Uh, some of the, re- the top returning stars are going to be Melvin Gordon. Uh, last year, he had 885 rushing yards for 10 touchdowns. He also had 50 catches for uh, 490 yards. He also caught four touchdown passes as well. They also uh, bringing back kicker Michael Badgley. Last year, he went 27 to 28 on extra point tries. He also had, he also went 15 to 16 on his field goals, uh, getting about 72 points last year. So bringing back some good solid pieces. And by the numbers this team did not uh they actually performed uh, quite well uh which again leads to that 13 and 5 record they were 11th in overall offense with 376 yard uh, 372 yards i'm sorry per game they also were eighth in points with 34 points per game they also were ninth in total defense uh, only giving up 337 yards per game and they were also eighth in points allowed with just 20.6 uh, 20.6 points a game so again uh this team was solid on both sides of the ball uh there's again uh this is going to be, and this is going to be pretty much the same team. So the, again, just like with the, the cases of, uh, the case of the Kansas City Chiefs, which is kind of hard. This is which is why it's hard for me to really just outright say the Chiefs can just win the, the, the division because again, um, you got, you know, the Chargers who are pretty much, you know, again, a really good team, uh, um, all different uh, in terms of their linebacker core, defensive. I would say the defensive line. Uh, the linebacker core is okay. Uh, I'll take that back. And their and their secondary was pretty damn good too, even though they lost Lamarcus Joyner to the Raiders. Uh, but again, it's the team that kind of you know maintained and still maintained a good amount of that core from last year. Uh, again, they meet. They might need to. They needed to make a few couple key add-ons to this squad to make them a little bit better, which I feel they did in some ways. Um, so again, uh, this is a team just like the chart. I mean, just like the Chiefs who. You know, if they play their cards right, if they've made the right decisions, they could challenge for this conference. I mean, they could challenge for this division and maybe challenge for a Super Bowl. Um, uh, let's let's uh, go into their strengths. Uh, definitely their strength, in my opinion, is Phillip Rivers. Uh, last year, uh, he did not do bad at all. 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 4,308 uh, yards, which is for the, which he which he has done for the 11th time in 12 seasons again. Uh, this is a team that is looking really good coming into this season. Uh, he had a quarterback rating of 105.5. Five as well, and Tyrod Taylor is one of them. Is more than a serviceable back, serviceable backup. I feel like if um, uh, Philip Rivers were to retire next year, uh, Tyrod Taylor could come in and be that backup for at least a year or two while they while they find a rookie uh, to take over there. So again, they're they're set up. I think this team is fine too. This is all a question of can they stay healthy and can certain positions improve. Like my my uh, weaknesses here, my linebackers. They have no real all stars here of course they have uh denzel pyramid who expected to be the main man but has dealt with injuries over the past two seasons uh they got jatavius brown who did put up 100 tackles last year and again they are bringing in thomas davis from the carolina panthers but i think he's very i mean he's he's out he's up there in age okay uh and you're gonna need denzel pyramid who's dealt you know who's dealt with the injuries like i said uh to, to step up you're gonna need jatavius brown to have another 100 tackle season uh because again uh that's that's their that's their biggest 
biggest Achilles right now. This is a team that also uh, suffered with tackling in space, tackling at the linebacker position. Again, only one tackler, only one tackler uh, on that squad had 100 tackles, and it was just the man Jatavius Brown. Again, they're gonna have all they're gonna have all day in the world. They're gonna have all season to pressure the quarterback. They got Nick Bosa. Uh, they got uh, your boy uh, Melvin Ingram. Again, the question is now, or excuse me, Joey Bosa. Uh, so the question is now, can they uh, can they stop the run, and can they perform well at the linebacker spot? And they did lose some key pieces at this at the uh, in the secondary. Of course, they lost safety Lamarcus Joyner to the Raiders. So uh, there is something there. There is some question marks here as well. Uh, but three key points for this squad. Also three quick three or three key questions I might have. Um, Tunner, uh, uh, tight end Hunter Henry. He will be back from his injury. How well is he going to be? There is going to be no Antonio Gates. No other tight end security blanket. We just have Hunter Henry. Can he step up? Is he really the guy? Or was he just like a two to three week fantasy fantasy football fling? We will have to see. Uh, we are looking for a big season. Oh, my bad. Joe, yeah, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa. This is a year for Joey Bosa again. Uh, he, I believe he led the team in sacks last year. Uh, he's looking to do that again. I think him and Melvin Ingram are a one-two punch. I think both of them together is is really what makes that pass rush work, not just one or the other. So I'm going to say a big season from Joey Bosa. And Melvin Ingram is going to put the Chargers over the top. And also, last season, the Chargers uh, were going to be playing. This is the last season for the Chargers in the crummy soccer field, okay? So, after this season, they're going to be going into some new home digs. They're looking to bring in some new home feeling and maybe some new home crowd. So, look for this season to be a positive one. I see this team going at least 10 wins if they do not win their conference. If they do not win a division, excuse me, maybe even 11. Um, but... You know, if at the very worst, if they do not win a division, they could come in second. They could very come. They could very well come in second. Uh, and finally, we got the Raiders. Uh, last year was a down year for Raiders again. Of course, this is John Gruden's first year. Uh, well, it was John Gruden's first year. They went four and twelve last year. They also went one and five in the division with their only win coming against the Broncos. Of course, one of our hated rivals. Uh, some key additions here for the Raiders. Of course, they made that big splash with Antonio Brown, who had 104 catches last year for 1,000. 297 yards. He also got 15 touchdowns as well. They also brought in tackle Trent Brown uh, from the Patriots. Again, they paid him a whole lot of money. Uh, there's a lot that could be said about him as well, good and bad. And finally, they bring in a couple linebackers who I thought that could really help them out as well. They got them. Uh, they got uh, Vontez Burfick, who does have a history about him. They also brought in Brandon Marshall, of course, from the rival Broncos. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys play together uh, in in that linebacking court. And it's also I'm still interested in seeing how that dynamic between Montez Burfick and Antonio Brown uh, could be. Because, again, remember, Montez Burfick originally came from the Bengals, and we already know that the Bengals and Steelers have a big rivalry. We already know about the game uh, about a year or so now uh, that knocked Ryan Shazier out. Uh, Vontez Burfick knocked Ryan Shazier out to the point where he couldn't even play for the next couple of years. Uh, he's, he was almost paralyzed. He's been paralyzed. So uh, there's some hate uh, for Vontez Burfick. I, I think he's, I, I mean, mm, there's, I don't know what to say about the man.
honestly. Um, he can play football. I think he's a little bit dirty, and I think he has a lot of potential. I think he had a, he had a lot of potential, and I think he has so much yield. He didn't have to play so dirty, to be honest with you. But there's a lot of people that say that there's, there should be uh, more balance in the league and more people like him in the league. And there's a lot of positive things that are said about him. So I'm not going to demonize the man, uh, but I, I do think he could play a little bit more within the rules and not hurt people so much. I mean, this is this is a violent game, but you don't have to go out about about it being uh, overly, uh, I guess, just beating on people. So I, I, I mean, there's 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 a catch twenty two with the dude, and I, but I do think he's he's a he's a productive linebacker. But recently he's been suffering from some injuries as well. Uh, some key losses here. Uh, one of the ones that I really did not like and I did not understand uh, was tight end Jared Cook, who had a career year uh, with us last year. He had sixty eight catches for eight hundred ninety six yards and six touchdowns. Again, I don't know what the hell John Gruden was thinking about with that one. He's one of the best receivers on the team, uh, but I guess he needed some money for Antonio Brown, I guess. Uh, they also lost safety Marcus Gilchrist and also wide receiver Jordy Nelson. I really didn't care about that one. Jordy Nelson didn't do nothing for us. No way. But they do have 17 returning starters, including eight uh, on the offensive side and also nine on the defensive defensive side, excuse me, uh, including their punter and kicker. Uh, they're all, uh, Some of those starters are including Derek Carr, of course. Last year, he threw for 4,049 yards. Also, 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. He had a 93.9 quarterback rating. I don't think he had a terrible season last year, but I think uh, with an added receiving core, uh, upgraded receiving core with Terrell Williams and Antonio Brown, uh, I think if we can get the running game going as well, and again, become, become somewhat of a balanced team, I think we're good. We need to have a balanced offense going into the year. They're also bringing back linebacker Tahir Whitehead, who led the team with 126 tackles. Uh, let's break this team down by the numbers. Uh, uh, let's just be honest. They were not that great last year. They ran 23rd in overall offense with 336, yard, uh, 336 yards pretty much per game. They were 28th in scoring with 18 points per game. They were also 28th in points allowed with 29 points given up every game on average. Not really great. That's on, that's basically 30 points a game. Not really great. Um, there was some. It was a lot of ugly games last year. I'm just going to say that. But they were 14th in interceptions uh, with 14 last year. So there you go. They were able to get some, t- uh, some turnovers. So crazy, right? Uh, let's move on to their strengths. I think this year, of course, like I said before, I've mentioned them already. Uh, it's going to be their receiving core. They added Terrell Williams, who had 41 catches last year for 653 yards. I believe about five or seven touchdowns. Um, they also added free agent J.J. Nelson, uh, who uh, had that, who had back-to-back 500 uh 500 receiving yard uh seasons in uh, 2016 to 2017 uh, he did suffer through some injuries last year but he is particularly productive as well uh they also ended up drafting Hunter Renfro out of uh out of Clemson excuse me and they do got uh Darren Waller uh, who's going to be the new tight end the starting tight end which I really didn't like that move they could have kept especially with Antonio Brown they could have kept Jared Cook and be, been even more solid in that department. I don't know what the hell John Gruden was thinking about there. That's one That's one thing that, I, that I'll give him some points. I'll take away some points, but I didn't like that. Uh, moving on, uh, I think their biggest weakness is going to be the defensive line. Uh, they have done some work, though, in that department. They picked up defensive end Colin Farrell at Clemson with the number four picked in this year's draft. They also picked up Max Crosby and Quentin Bell in that same draft as, as well. So they're doing some work there. They got some young pieces there. They got some youth there. They got some energy 
synergy there. Uh, but they're going to need some improvement from Arden Key, though, uh, to solidify that pass rush coming off the end. Uh, as far as the interior goes, uh, they do have death. Uh, I don't know about the talent, though. Uh, they're bringing in Justin Ellis, and uh, they're going to have second-year players, Maurice Hurst there, P.J. Hall, and also Jonathan Hankins. So we have experience there. We do have some size there. We just don't know how it's all going to come together. Uh, yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> and that is one of their biggest weaknesses because they did, they, I think, they, like I said, they did terrible defensively last year. And I think specifically, uh, really against the rush. They gave up a lot of points too. Uh, three key points uh, slash questions for the Raiders I got uh, will be this will be their last year in Oakland. And uh, they will be on the road for five weeks though, including the road game in London. So it won't even be, it'll be like they're not even necessarily here uh, in Oakland. So that's that's kind of bittersweet. Um, that's very bittersweet. Uh, I will say that off the top. Uh, the secondary needs to improve, uh, but they do have um, additions of LaMarcus Joyner. They got him through free agency. Uh, they also have Trey Van Mullen and also Jonathan Abraham that they, or Jonathan Abram, excuse me, that they got via the draft. So uh, they've been making moves again, just like with the defensive, uh, with the defensive line. They've been making some moves there. Uh, they got some young talent there. They got energy. They got youth. They got a lot of good things. Uh, the question is, can they work it out with that and their veterans that they have there? Because they have some very distinct veterans. Uh, some of the veterans range from Super Bowl starters that have some Super Bowl experience that are really about their business. Then you have the, some of the ones that are really dominant in what they do. You got Montez Perfect, who's a really, you know, who's really good at defensive and things and hitting people. You also got Antonio Brown, but they all they got those they they're quirky. They got their quirks about them. You know, Montez Perfect, he's you know on the harder side. He's gonna hit you. He's gonna hurt some people. You got Antonio Brown, who's gonna come off maybe aloof to some people or maybe like a diva to others. So you gotta deal with that. And can that team make it all come together? and actually do what the most important thing, which is win football games. That is the biggest question about the Raiders. I think they have the potential to possibly challenge for the second place spot in this division. I really want to say that. I think they can maybe, just depending on how good that offensive line is and just how how well that off, that well, both sides of the ball have to come along, um, in my opinion. But I, I think maybe second, realistically third in that division. I don't really see the Broncos challenging us really uh really challenging this year in my opinion so i think that leaves the room for the raiders to do something uh unique maybe eke out nine wins possibly even 10 wins um again i think they could possibly get a playoff berth just seeing how things go uh but i don't see why nine wins or 10 wins would be unreasonable for a squad like this on second thought i was really high on this team uh, wanted to give them uh, a shot at the conference, cha uh, the divisional championship. I was weak. Really, I think I was crazy. Uh, I had to do some more thinking about you know the squad and 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 just more and more of what's happened during the offseason. You, you got the whole saga with AB. Um, it changed my mind, and and I and I, don't, I don't, and it's sad uh, because I think this team has a lot of potential. And of course, I'm a fan, but I'm not gonna let the fandom overtake my. Uh, my common sense. <laughs> uh, I think this is the third place team in the division. Uh, I think they, they can eke out a really solid 10 wins though. And I think they improve going into Vegas. I think they really take they take off when they when they hit Vegas. That's when the real success starts coming in, unfortunately. Uh, so 
that's what you got. I'm going to take a quick break for now and I will be coming. Oh, actually, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be taking a quick break for now. And when I get back to you guys, I'll be going over some uh, preseason, preseason scores. So uh, I'll be getting back with you with that. And then, of course, we got some MLB to talk about as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, let's get right into it. Of course, I'll be going over the preseason scores from last week. Uh, we're going to get right into it, starting off with Thursday with the Eagles. Uh, they got it done against the Jaguars, 24-10. We got the Bengals beating the Redskins, 23-13. Uh, the Jets were able to beat the Falcons, 22-10. Uh, the Ravens get a win against the Packers, 26-13. We got the Raiders getting another win in preseason, going 2-0 against the Cardinals. 33-26 uh, uh, is the final score there. For the Raiders, we got some production from Mike Glennon going 11-14. of 14. Uh, uh, for 175 yards as well as two touchdowns. Derek, Derek Carr uh, was able to get uh, two touchdowns as well. We got running back James Butler getting to, uh, 32 yards, leading the team there. Uh, running back Mac Brown was able to get a touchdown on the ground there though as well. Uh, Rob receiver Rico, uh, Rico Gafford uh, led the team with 53 yards receiving and also a touchdown. Uh, Ryan Grant and also tight end Derek Carrier also caught receiving touchdowns on top of that. And on defense, uh, sorry, defensive back uh, Keyshawn Mixon got five total tackles. And uh, Brandon Marshall was able to get two tackles and a sack as well. Uh, for the Cardinals, Brett Hundley uh, went uh, 10 of 13 and uh, had 139 yards for a touchdown. He also led the team with 26 rushing yards. Uh, quarterback Drew Anderson also went 6 of 9 for 59 yards and also a touchdown. Wild receiver uh, Andy Isabella, also wild receiver Trent Sherfield, and also running back Chase Edmonds all caught touchdown passes as well. And on defense, the Cardinals got help from safety Ezekiel Turner, who had six total tackles, and also uh, linebacker Dennis Gard. Uh, Gardak, who had six total tackles as well. Uh, let's move on to Friday's action. Uh, we got the Bills getting it done against the Panthers, uh, going up to two and zero on the preseason. The Panthers are now one and one. Uh, oh. Uh, going back to that that Cardinals score, the Cardinals are also one and one in the preseason as well. Uh, but back to Bills and Panthers. Uh, for the Bills, they were led by Josh Allen, who went nine of eleven for 102 yards. Uh, Matt Barkley got some action as well, going eight for 16 for 110 yards. Uh, he didn't throw any touchdowns either. Tyree Jackson though had 26 rushing yards on uh, 26 yards on the ground, leading the team there. Oh, actually, uh, Matt Barkley did throw a touchdown pass uh, for Lashawn McGuire. McCoy, the OG there, he did score a rushing touchdown, and also uh, in terms of receiving, running back Christian Wade, and also wide receiver Dequil Williams scored touchdowns as well. On the defensive side, uh, linebacker Dion Lacey uh, had five total tackles. Uh, for the uh, for the Panthers, uh, their quarterback, Real Greer, the rookie, he went 10-19 for 75 yards, but he did throw a pick. Uh, quarterback Taylor Heineke, another rookie, he went 8-12 uh, for 78 yards, but he ended up throwing a touchdown. Running back Jordan Scarlett ran for 35 yards, uh, 35 yards and I believe Reggie, um, ooh, their other running back. No. Oh, yeah. Reggie uh, Reggie Bennett also ran for 32, 30, 32 yards as well. Excuse me. Uh, on the receiving side of things, Rashad Ross caught a touchdown. And, uh, and also... 
on defense linebacker Jordan. I can't pronounce that. I'm not going to try it. Sorry, y'all. But linebacker Jordan, uh, sorry, Jermaine Carter led the way as well on defense, getting six total tackles. Sorry. Can't say that dude's name. Jordan, I'm not going to sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to butcher it this time. Not going to do it. Let's move on to Saturday's action. On uh, Saturday, the uh, Browns were able to get it done uh, against the Colts, 21-18. to We got the Patriots getting another win, going 2-0 in the preseason as well. Uh, they got the win against the Titans, who are now 1-1. 22-17 uh, was the final score there for the Patriots. Uh, Jared Siddham led the way. He went 14-19 for 193 yards and a touchdown. Running back Damian Harris had 80 yards on the ground, and Nick Brosette ran for a touchdown as well as running back Brandon Bowen. Uh, in terms of receiving, wide receiver Jacoby Myers at the way with six uh, six catches and 82 yards. And also wide receiver Damon Patterson had a touchdown of reception. Uh, for defense, uh, the Patriots were led by two rookies, if I'm not mistaken. Calvin Munson, their linebacker, had eight total tackles. And defensive end out of Michigan, Chase Winovich, one of my favorite pass rushers last year in college football, he had five total tackles and also a sack. Uh, for the Titans, they were led by... Uh, Ryan Tannehill, who went 7 of 11 for 84 yards. He threw a touchdown pass. And uh, so did Marcus Mariota. He went 6 of 9 for 63 yards. Like I said, he also threw for a touchdown pass. On the ground, uh, Alex Barnes led the way with 42 yards. Um, tight end Cola Wick and also, uh, uh, well, in terms of receiving, excuse me, tight end Cole Wick, he had three catches for 42 yards. And also tight end Delaney Walker and running back uh, Jeremy uh Jeremy McNichols also caught touchdown passes. And in terms of defense, linebacker David Long led the way with eight total tackles. And also defensive back uh, the Joshua Joshua Kalu had four total tackles. Finally, on Saturday, you got the Cowboys taking out the Rams 14-10. And on Sunday, oh, yes, Sunday, we got the Saints beating Chargers 19-17. Uh, we got the Vikings uh getting another win going 2-0 on the preseason again as well beating the Seahawks here uh, who are now 1-1 one one. Uh, let's break this one down finally uh, for the last one and we have uh, the Seahawks here they got led by Paxton Lynch who went 6-15 of 15 for six, uh, 67 yards Russell Wilson also got some action too going 6-9 of nine for 82 yards on the ground Chris Carson led the way with just 25 yards uh, in terms of receiving wide receiver Jerron Brown had 2 catches for 52 yards Tyler Lark Tyler Lockett, excuse me, had three catches for 27 yards. Uh, and linebackers, uh, linebacker Austin uh, Kalito, uh, I'm sorry, Kalitro led the way on defense with eight total tackles. And defensive back Deshaun Shedd had five total tackles and an interception. Uh, for the Vikings, they got a lot of protection for their quarterbacks today. Uh, well, yesterday, excuse me. Uh, Sean Mannion, he went 11 of 14 for 85 yards and also a touchdown. Kyle Slaughter, uh, he did very well scoring a uh, well he had a passing touchdown as well uh moving on to the running side of the rushing side of things uh mike boone led the way with 66 yards carly blasting game also ran for a touchdown uh on for the receivers rob receiver laquan treadwell led the way he had four catches for 47 yards we also got brandon zilstra and irv smith jr also catching cut 
catching touchdown passes as well. And in terms of defense, defensive back Holton Hill had four total tackles. They also got safety J. Ron Curse. If that name sounds familiar, well, his uncle was Javon Curse. All, uh, all well, a great defensive end for the uh, Tennessee Titans as well as the Philadelphia Eagles. He had three total tackles. All right, y'all. So we're gonna call it a wrap for the NFL for today. We will be uh, we will be back sometime next week. Uh, sometime this week, excuse me, with another uh, divisional preview. I'll be breaking down uh, the NFC West. Uh, let's move on from this. We're going to take another quick break, and I'll be going over some MLB news as well as the standing and the scores. You already know how we do it, uh, but I'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all, I am back, and let's wrap this up today with an MLB update. We're going to start off with the news, and we're going to start off with Julio Arias, uh, Uyas, excuse me, a pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers. The pitcher has been suspended for 20 games for violating the league's joint domestic violence policy. This includes five games he's previously served for administrative leave. Now, on uh, May the 3rd, he was arrested for a physical altercation with a woman inside a parking lot at a L.A. mall. The city's attorney's office decided not to press charges because Uyas has decided to uh, take a 52-week counseling, co uh, counseling course excuse me, and it does not have a history of, or any criminal history. Uh, this is a quote coming from the man himself. I have uh, I hold myself to a higher standard as well. I have taken proactive steps to help me grow as a person on and off the field and in any relationship. So it uh, seems to me that he's definitely remorseful. Uh, he's definitely, you know, taking some time to think about what he's done he's definitely not proud of what he's done and he's looking to help his team out and not only help his team out uh and become a better professional player professionally of course all that stuff but he looks he's looking to become a better person he's obviously uh seen the error of his ways and again i'll keep reiterating it fellas no matter who you are black white baseball player football player regular trader joe stock guy cashier dude don't put your hands on your girlfriend or any woman. Now, again, if they put their hands on you, they hit you in the face. Hey, I, was, I don't know. <laughs> I'll never, I, I'm not the type to, I will not. Well, I will tell you is this. I'm, I am not for abuse, domestic abuse in any way. Okay. But self-protection, self-preservation, that's different. I'll just let y'all know that right now. Domestic abuse and just beating up on a woman for whatever reason, no. But if somebody puts their hands on you, hey, that's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> now, the guy is not a bad pitcher at all. Uh, so this is kind of, uh, you know, it kind of hurts for uh, the Dodgers. But he will be eligible for postseason play uh, starting uh, around September. Um I'm not too sure the exact date, I'm sorry, uh, but because he did not go ahead and appeal the case, he will be around in time uh, to, to to join the Dodgers in the, post, the postseason. And that's pretty good because he's actually a pretty decent pitcher. So far this year, he has a four and three record. He is a relief pitcher, by the way, uh, but he has an ERA of 2.53, or he could be a starter, I'm not exactly too sure. Uh, but he has an ERA of 2.53, which is really good. He also has 67 strikeouts and 67 and two thirds innings. So again, uh, he's very productive uh, and he's definitely has a solid arm and he does have a whip of 1.09 uh, and whip is uh 
walks and hits per inning. So he's only given up one hit or walk per inning. So really good, uh, good numbers across the board from the guy. He's good at what he does. He just happened to make a dumb bonehead decision. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of this, uh, this situation here. I think I might have talked about it earlier uh, this year, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I think there was another domestic abuse in baseball that I talked about. And I actually, I think I'm positive it was another one that wasn't this situation here. But uh, there you go. He is out for a while, uh, but he did not appeal. So Dodgers fans, be be excited or be if you like the guy. Uh, I don't know where you stand on those type of situations. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of the situation, but uh, he he will be back, and uh, he's a pretty good pitcher. So Dodgers fans, if you like that, then you should be happy. Uh, moving on, we got some more news here, but uh, it's about the Phillies, and they just can't catch a break with the pitchers. Uh, starting pitcher Jake Arrieta will miss the rest of the season to undergo surgery to take out a bone spur, bone spur in his elbow. He's already... Now, he's been dealing with this injury for about a month, uh, and he currently has a record of 8-8 eight and eight with a 4.64 ERA and 24 starts, so you can see where it's affected him. Uh, now, this is not just their only problem. Uh, like I said, this team has is having tremendous problems in terms of its pitching staff, and it's been like this the whole year in terms of in injury and just so on and so forth. Now they have another injury here to their reliever, David Roberts. Uh, he will be out for the rest of the season as well. Uh, he's he will be uh, he will be out because of Tommy Tommy John surgery, if I'm not mistaken, and that's uh, a ligament within your arm. And usually how they fix it is taking ligaments from other parts of your body and maybe your leg or your arm, something like your other arm, something like that, and putting them in the arm that was hurt. It's very, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult procedure. Not a lot of pitchers ever really come back from this. Uh, before this, before the technology was even made to even, you know, address the situation, there was a, a young, great pitcher, uh, about 30 years old at the time, by the name of Sonny Koufax, a uh, pitcher for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. And he had a Tommy John situation. This was what it was called. Uh, it's always been called that. And this was before, it was in the 60s, so it was before this was any, um, there was any, you know, technology to even, you know, like I said, uh, I think that the, the, the scientist or the doctor that eventually developed the procedure, he didn't even have it mastered until maybe a year after he retired, Sonny Koufax would retire. But again, Sonny Koufax was a great Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher, had the same type of element, and it took a, he couldn't play after this because, again, the technology wasn't there to, to help him out. And uh, this is a very difficult uh, procedure, like I said, and this is a very difficult procedure from a pitcher to come back on because, again, this arm, it's, you know, now I can't tell you exactly what ligament is or what joint it is. I'm not a, you know, an anatomy person, but again, you know, for pitching and for obvious, for obvious reasons, it's very uh, devastating for a pitcher to have. So again, we're talking about 40, 50 years ago, this will be the end of a pitcher's career. And again, even 50 years now, it doesn't necessarily end a pitcher's career, but a definitely negatively affects it so even if david roberts is going to come back which i hope he does of course uh, you don't want to you know you know you don't wish you know ill will on somebody uh but you know there's no guarantee he's going to be the same uh but he's already missed a lot of playing time this year he's only played six and uh six and two-thirds innings so really nothing uh really at all this year yeah so anyways uh Dave Robertson really hasn't done anything for the Phillies this year. And this is the cold thing about their whole pitching staff is Arietta was signed to a three-year $75 million deal last season. And Robertson was signed to a two-year a two $23 million deal last year as well. I mean, uh, 
it's bad luck for these guys uh that's 75 23 that's that's a hundred million dollars pretty much thrown down the two for two pitchers who ain't even doing nothing uh the phillies have to bring in uh reliever jared hughes i believe they got him from the cincinnati reds he has, currently has a three and three and four record and an era of over four so again uh bad times and we already know where they're at right now in terms of the playoff race they were uh trying to challenge in that third place spot we don't know what's gonna happen with those guys and uh they have another injury report as well uh they recently put their outfielder roman quinn on the 10-day defense uh i'm sorry the 10-day disabled lifts disabled list with a strain going so again this is injuries all around to a team that really doesn't need them uh, really doesn't you know it sucks for them because they are in the playoff race but that's just the way it goes and finally uh, we got some news from the Yankees of course uh, they were able to get the win yesterday six to five versus the Indians or uh, actually this would be Saturday six to five versus the Indians uh, but there was some drama and outfielder Bill uh, Brett Gardner excuse me and manager Aaron Boone will be missing uh, some games uh, both Gardner and Boone as well as other players like CC Sabathia uh, took terms digging into a certain umpire who who's, uh, recently were promoted from the minors um, CC Sabathia was also suspended, even though he's been injured and wasn't even playing in the game. He's on the defensive. He's on the defensive. I'm sorry, not the defensive list, but the disabled list. Too much going on with the Yankees right now. Uh, it all started in the bottom of the sixth inning when outfielder Cameron Maybin was called out on strikes with a pitch that was considered to be a little bit outside of the strike zone. So basically, it wasn't a strike, and uh, they took it. You know, of course, Brent Boone. Uh, he started the argument. He went upside the, not the, you know, he didn't go upside the, the, the umpires. He didn't go upside the umpires' head and nothing like that. But he did get in his face. He did state his, his piece. He also got Brett uh, Gardner were going. Uh, he would also state his piece too. Uh, he was hitting the top, uh, the top of the, well, basically the ceiling of the dugout with his bat. He's done that before. He's basically just, you know, hitting it. And then he goes into the, he actually climbs up uh, the railing of the dugout to yell at the umpires some more. So this team is. <laughs> Yeah, this team is crazy. Yeah, this this team is crazy, man. I mean, Brett Gardner, he's acting like a, a crazy man. You know what I'm saying? You know, hitting the bat on stuff. And this is the second injection in the week. And, uh, and, and mind you, this is the second injection in the week, but this team is still on top of the division by a pretty significant margin. So their playoff spot is is good. They're good. And they're just acting out. You know, they're just, they're just some babies right now. They're acting like some kids, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not too sure how many games uh, Boone and also Gardner will be out. Uh, but again, look for it to be at least five games at the max maybe a little a little bit more uh, but I just think I mean you got to watch Brett Gardner in this situation uh, you have to look it up on YouTube or something because this guy his reactions uh, when plays don't go his way is just just hilarious he starts again like I'm not lying he starts hitting the he was he got the bat and he's just hitting the damn ceiling of the dugout just trip he's tripping like I've never seen a grown man do stuff like that I see teenagers kind of act like that middle schoolers kind of react in those ways even guys kind of you know act like that too like a, like a mini tantrum but that's a grown man he's a professional baseball player hitting his bat in frustration on the ceiling of the dugout i, I cannot believe that and then he climbs over the mug to go argue with the umpire 
that man there. The Yankees, bro. Y'all need to get it together. Y'all good. Y'all too good for that. Uh, let's get into the scores uh, over uh, from yesterday. Uh, we're going to start off in the AL East. The Red Sox were able to get it done against the Orioles in a big way. 13-7 was the final score there. Uh, we have the Indians uh, getting it done against the Yankees this time. Uh, they were able to get the, Yank get the game uh, won uh, yesterday, 8-4. to four. Uh, For the Indians, they were led by left fielder Oscar Mercado, who had three hits and also three RBIs. Third baseman Mike Freeman also hit three hits and three RBIs as well. And pitcher uh, Mike Clevenger was able to get the win. He went for five innings, gave up three hits, but zero on runs. He also had 10 strikeouts as well. Uh, for the Yankees, they were led by their first baseman, uh, DJ LeMahieu, who had uh, two hits and also three RBIs. And outfielder Aaron Judge hit an RBI as well. The Padres were able to, uh, the Padres, excuse me, were able to beat the Phillies 3-2. We got the Mariners beating the Blue Jays 7-0. The Rays got it done against the Tigers 5-4. We also got the the Cardinals, excuse me, beating the Reds uh, in Cincinnati 5-4. We got the Braves uh, getting a good win against the Dodgers 5-3 was the final score here. Uh, let's break down this uh, the score here. For the Braves, they were led by outfielder Rafael Ortega. He went as Grand Slam. Uh, pitcher Max Freed uh, got the job, got the win. Uh, going for five innings, eight uh, gave up eight hits, but only three earned runs. He also had eight strikeouts. And for the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger always has a good game. Uh, he had a three-run home run this is his 42nd of the season so good look on them but they good look on cody bellinger but the dodgers didn't get the win uh let's move on we got the uh the nationals getting it done on a big game 16 to 8 against the brewers for the nationals they were led by the right fielder adam eaton who had two hits and three rbis first baseman matt adams also had three hits and three rbis and also second baseman brian rogier had three hits and four rbis pitcher eric fetty uh got the win he had he went for five innings gave up 10 hits and four on runs and he also had two strikeouts for the brewers they were led by their uh, third baseman mike mustakis who had three hits and also five rbis uh they also got some help from this uh shortstop orlando aria who had uh three hits and also two rbis moving on we got some interleague play uh the nationals uh sorry the mets excuse me got it done against the royals 11 to 5 for the mets uh they got a good game from their uh, Shortstop Ahmed Rosario, who had three hits and three RBIs. Outfielder Michael Canforto uh, also had a good game with two hits, including a home run, and he also had four RBIs. First baseman Pete Alonso had a good game with three hits and two RBIs as well. And pitcher Zach Wheeler got the win going for five innings, giving up four hits and three runs, uh, but he had two strikeouts as well. The bullpen got, did their job securing the win. They went for three innings, gave up two hits, but no, but one on a run and also had four strikeouts. And for the Royals, uh, they got help from uh, shortstop Nikki uh, Nikki Lopez, who had a two-run single, and right uh, right fielder Hunter Dozier hit an RBI as well. Moving on, we got some AL action with the Twins getting it done against the Rangers, six to three. We got the Rockies beating the Marlins, seven to six. We got the White Sox beating the Angels, two to nine. We got the Astros closing out the series with, against the A's with a win, one to four was the final score for the Astros. Uh, they got 
major help from Alex Bregman, who got four hits and three RBIs. Pitcher Zach Greinke did his thing, uh, having another dominant game, going for seven innings, uh, giving up just four hits, and he also had six strikeouts. And for the A's, Mark Simeon was able to get their uh, lonely RBI. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, they were able to get another win, this time against the Giants, 6-1. to one. And finally, we got the Cubs beating the Pirates 7-1. to uh, seven to one. Let's move on to the uh, the standings. Uh, we're going to for the start of the week, of course. Uh, in the AL East, we have the Yankees. They are still on top, 83-43, and 73 in their last 10. There is no signs of stopping in this team. Again, they're not even fully healthy yet, so ain't no telling what's going to happen with them in the playoffs. Of course, there's a lot to be desired from their pitching staff, but with some of the injuries that they, that they, that they have coming back, I think they might just nullify that. Uh, in the second place spot, we have the Rays, who are still in battle for that second uh, wild card spot with the A's. Uh, they are currently 73 and 52, and uh, they're just nine and a half games back in the division. But again, they're, they're more looking for that wild card spot. They've gone 73 in their last 10 as well. Up next, we have the White Sox, who keep just who just keep slipping out of the race. They're currently 16, uh, sorry, 67 and 59, 16 and a half games, or 16 games back in the division, uh, over five games back at this point, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be the over five for them in the wild card race. Uh, I don't see them making the playoffs. They're done. Put a fork in these, these guys. Uh, they're 73 in the last 10, though. Up next, we have the Blue Jays, who are 52 and 75. We also have the Orioles at 39 and 85. In the AL Central, we have the Twins who have maintained that top spot despite what's gone on over the last couple of weeks. They are 76 and 48, 6 and 4 in the last 10. Up next, we have the Indians at 74 and 51. They are two and a half games back, five and five in the last 10. We have the Chicago White Sox up next who are 55 and 68. The Royals at number four who are 44 and 80. And then at the, the bottom spot here, we have the Detroit Tigers at 37 and 84. In the AL West, we have the Houston Nationals who continue to maintain their lead over the AL West, but it is going uh, it is going a little bit shorter. The Astros are, are seven and uh, 79 and 46, but they've gone four and six in the last 10. Up next, we have the Oakland A's, of course, my favorite team. They've been able to close the gap just a little bit. They're currently 70, uh, 71 and 53. They are seven and, uh, seven and a half games back in the, in the division. They've gone six and four in the last 10. They are currently just a game back uh, in terms of, actually two games back in terms of a wild card spot. Uh, we also got the Angels here. They are 62 and 64, 18 and a half games back. No use. Uh, they're done. We also got the Rangers here who are 60 and 64. And finally, we have the Mariners at 52 and 73. Let's move on to the National League, of course, where we have uh, the uh, National League East leaders. Braves, the Atlanta Braves here are on top still. 74 and 52 is their current record. They are 6 and 4 in their last 10. Next up, we have the Nationals here at 67 and 56. Five and a half games back. Uh, they're still battling. Uh, they've gone 73 in their last 10, but five and five and a half games back is a bit of a distance. And now this looks like the Braves are just playing really good baseball right now. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we have the Phillies here at 64 and 69 games back. Five and a half, five and five in the last 10. Up Next, we have the Mets here, who were who were who were striding at first. They were striding. Uh, they were 91 last time I checked. Now they've gone six and four in the last ten. 64 and 60 is their current record. Record. They're nine games back. Mm. 
Uh, days are going by. Days go by. Uh, in the last place, we have uh, the Marlins here at 45 and 78. Let's move on to the NL Central, another competitive hotspot. We have the Cardinals here who have, again, uh, risen to the top of the standing 65 and 57. Uh, seven and three in the last 10 we had the cubs just a half game behind them at 66 and 58 40 uh four and six in the last 10 we had the brewers here and there i'm sorry we have the brewers who are just two games back at 64 and 60 we have the reds here at 58 and 65 still kind of sort of in the mix seven and a half games back really out of the wild card picture though uh we also got the uh sorry um and at the bottom of the NL Central, we have the Pirates. Um, I don't know what their record is. 47 and 78 too? I don't know. They're garbage. And in the NL West, we have the Dodgers, uh, who are still on top. 82 and 44. 6 and 4 in the last 10. We have the Giants here at 63 and 62. 63 and 62, excuse me. 18 and a half games back in the division. But again, they have put they have uh put themselves back in the wild card discussion somehow, some way. Um yeah, they're there. And then you have the Diamondbacks who are kind of on the outside end of that situation, that wild card situation. 19 and a half games back of their division. They currently stand at 62 and 63. They've gone 4 and 6 in the last 10. The Giants have gone 7 and 3 in the last 10. Uh, we have the Padres here at the fourth place spot. They are 58 and 65. And we also have the Rockies here at the bottom, 57 and 60. Uh, 57 and 67. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode, uh, whether it be war on the street i think that yeah i'll just give it a war on the street segment um not too sure exactly what i'll be having there but of course uh you know all the biggest news internationally nationally uh and then as far as uh the sports goes i'll be back sometime in the middle of the week uh i'll have an mlb update for you guys standing scores of course i'll have another uh divisional preview uh for the nfl i'll be going over the nfc west uh, i do have a year in review for the year 2004 i'll be going over all the music from that year i think it's the year the ultimate year that we had the singles the the, the concept of the single the the lp i've never heard so many a uh, year with so many different lps i think i have to talk about it uh different singles we're gonna have to talk about the year 2004 so many just massively played singles for the entire year that you just got so sick of we have to talk about those let's talk about all those songs I might rank them. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I'm discussing the year 2004 in the musical concept, the, the musical context, excuse me. Um, oh, and I do have some more college football previews. I got a couple more conferences to go, to, go through, uh, the, uh, at least the, the smaller conferences. I got to go through the Sun Belt. We have the American Conference as well. So I might have those uh, those those conference those conference previews ready for you guys uh my next sports day so uh when i did the middle of the week when i come up when i come back with you guys for that mlb update look out for a, a nfl preview as well as a college football preview for that day as well all right y'all if you're looking to get in touch with me you can hit me up on my uh gmail account that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com once again that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is e l just the letter J, Butler75 at gmail.com. That is E L 
jbutler75 uh, at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page as well as an Instagram. Look me up there, add me there, follow me there uh, at L Jamal Johnny. That is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is L Jamal Johnny at E L J A M A H A D J A N I. I also got a Facebook page for the show as well at Never Out of Bounds. I got content there as well as links there. So if you're looking to get in contact with me via there, also there's a place for you to donate if you would like to, uh, at least a link to my PayPal and or uh, my Cash App. If you would like to send a donation, uh, all is appreciated. Doesn't matter what you got. Uh, any any little bit of help would help me out. So thank you there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being so supportive, like you guys always have. I'm always around. Uh, feel free to hit me up at any time, 24/7, 365. I just want to tell you guys, if anybody, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll at y'all later.